Hello, my name is Katri Lindpere. I am the Managing Director of the Estonian Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. And I'm so happy to greet you today with SVCA LP Talks podcast. My guests today in our pilot episode are both great people with extensive experience as LPs in Estonia. Sile Pettäin from SmartCap and Allangai Dunko from LHV Asset Management. And by the way, Sille and Allan will be the hosts in our next LP Talks episodes, so stay tuned. In today's first episode, we walk through the maze of the private equity and venture capital industry today and its outlook for the next few years. Touched upon topics like fundraising, fund assessment, ESG and impact, but looked also into the people behind the institutions. Hope the chat is as inspiring and interesting to listen as it was for me to make it. Welcome to LP Insights, SVCA's monthly podcast series where influential LPs draw back the curtain and share their insights on investing. Each edition of LP Insights takes listeners on a 60-minute journey with an LP, either active or looking to become active in the Nordic-Baltic region. Our unscripted discussions penetrate beyond the institutions LPs represent. LP Insights digs deep to gain a more accurate and personal understanding of the individuals behind the mic, their investment strategy, the do's and don'ts that shape their decisions, plus the challenges and success stories they've encountered. Well, hello, and uh, let's kick off with our first episode. Um, first, uh, let's meet our guests today. Uh, hello, Sille. Hello. It's it's great to be here and, and have this discussion with you and and Alan. Yeah. Hi, Alan, and thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. So first off, I would like to start with about you guys and uh, and the organizations, uh, the LPs uh, you represent. Uh, so Silla, maybe uh, kicking off with you, um, how did you personally end up in private equity industry? Wow, that is a long story, <laughs> uh, which um, goes back to 2007, actually. I landed my first real job in high-yield debt industry, actually. And it happened during my last year at the university. I started as a private debt analyst in asset allocation team at the Hansa Investment Funds. That was the largest second pillar pension fund manager in Estonia at that time. And there really wasn't any private equity or venture capital market as we know it today in the Baltics. Um, and uh, working on alternative assets was sort of a lonely struggle to change the game because most of the action took place um, on stock markets and at Bloomberg screens at that time, which I didn't have. I had Excel. Uh, and during these years, um, during the last 15 years, I have sat around different sides of the same table, the alternative assets table. But I have remained uh, at the dark side. So you've basically seen uh, the market grow grow up, right? I have seen it and, and currently um, I am um, responsible for investment activities at SmartCap. It's an um, Estonian sovereign fund and we operate as a fund. The fund provide cornerstone investments to... Uh, Estonian-focused venture capital funds. And here, our core mission is actually uh, local capital market development. So now I'm at the core and, and seeing really close the development of the market. 
Thanks. Uh, Smart Cap really is doing um, a vital job, has been doing and is doing a vital job in, in creating and developing the market. So let's move on to you, Alan, then. Um, maybe the same question to you then. Uh, how did you personally end up in private equity in the industry? And maybe a bit about LHV too. Sure. Thank you. So, so yeah, I think uh, a simple answer would be naturally. <laughs> so I actually started... Uh, in uh, in LHV uh, back in 2014, and um, I started to analyze um, uh, public equities there at first. And uh, funny enough, I was uh, a guy uh, from Estonia analyzing Middle Eastern equities. So so it was always uh, funny when we when we visited different um, Middle East uh, related uh, conferences that everybody was very surprised that there's a fund. Uh, managed from Estonia, analyzing uh, companies from the Middle East, and um, at some point, uh, well, I was always fascinated by by the private markets as well, and including uh, venture capital and, and startups and everything like that. So, so uh, um, back in 2019, I joined uh, as uh, uh, since then. I mean, uh, I started to be responsible for for private equity and venture capital investments at uh, LHV pension funds. And uh, when I joined, we mostly had um, local uh, uh, funds in our portfolio. And my main uh, kind of a mission that I, I felt is uh, was that we, we also started to look outside of the of the region. So, so it was a couple of tough years uh, with uh, getting to know different uh, GPs outside of the region and trying to be as seen as possible. <laughs> And uh, visiting different conferences, etc. Uh, so yeah, uh, by now I think we're one of the uh, most most active uh, private equity and venture capital investors uh, in Estonia, and uh, we manage around 1.3 billion in in uh, assets. Uh, that that's uh, the whole AOM of pension funds. Out of that, I, I think around uh, almost 20% uh, is already private equity and venture capital. So it has become very significant. Um, How much has it increased over over the years? So uh, it uh, it has increased quite a bit, and this has to do with with two, uh, two different factors. So one one is that we have been uh, uh, very active in uh, deploy uh, finding new investments and and uh, doing the commitments, and and the second thing is of course the pension reform that we had. So that naturally increased our our exposure to to private assets. And Silla, would you like to add something about smart caps activities? Yes, it is uh, really interesting and important what Alan uh, mentioned about LHV's activities and and role uh, on Estonian private capital market. Because what we're doing at SmartCap is providing cornerstone investments to local VC funds to attract private. LPs like uh, Alan is representing. So wh whatever we do, however we try to develop this local capital market, one of the aim is to send uh, a signaling, signaling effect to market participants, uh, validate uh, these emerging fund managers and, and make them sort of um, investable to institutional uh, private investors. Yes, yeah, so you're both doing um, a vital job with your networks in popularizing the 
sort of Estonian private equity venture capital market to, to help the funds grow and then new funds to emerge. Um, that is great. So I propose we move on to maybe a bit more about market and market trends. And of course, we need to start with, with Russian aggression um, and, and, and what are maybe the key aspects you both would, would say are there to, that would p potentially change the Europe, Europe's private equity venture capital field and, and maybe what's the view on, on the Baltic, maybe Nordic Baltic uh, market here? Uh, uh, sure. So, uh, so I think one thing that we will probably agree on together is that uh, it uh, the current situation uh, most certainly uh, in this environment it's uh, it's much harder for the local funds to to attract foreign um, LPs capital as uh, there's there's so much uncertainty and then um, um, at the same time what what uh, what we also see in the local market in in the Baltics is that. Uh, especially on the venture capital side or the startup side, is that there has uh, uh, become much uh, more liquidity in the market. So I think on that sense, it will be easier to attract uh, more capital from local uh, high net worth individuals, but at the same time, uh, harder to attract capital from foreign LPs. Yes, there's still a lot of weight at sea on the market. I think we haven't really seen the true... Uh, impact uh, and and the final sort of aftermath where it will end up um, changing or or um, resulting on the market. However, what we can see is the farther away the investors are from, the harder it is for uh, to understand uh, and and sort of give accurate assessment to market conditions in our region. Uh, it, it, it can be reflected in several aspects, for example, how they assess the risk here, uh, whether they do any timing uh, with their investments, maybe they postpone some, uh, some investments, or uh, it can uh, reflect in valuations, they can start um, um, negotiating uh, revaluation or... or um, about the pri asset prices here. So the closer the investors are from, the better understanding and visibility they have. And, uh, and here local investors who have boots on the ground and very strong economic interest here will remain on their home turf. Again, local investors like uh, LHV, uh, other pension funds, family offices, uh, angels, will have a critical importance uh, and, and role here to overcome the setbacks. Yeah, I think uh, what Silla mentioned is, is, uh, is very, it, it's a very good point that, uh, um, I mean, uh, as, as local investors here, we, we uh, have a very good understanding of the local private equity and venture capital universe, and we know the companies and people here. So, so I think, uh, f especially on the, at least from the LHV pension fund side, we'll, we'll continue to try to support the local market as, as much as we can. But uh, nevertheless, I think that um, companies uh, will, uh, will be mostly affected indirectly, some more, some less. But, uh, but then again, it really depends how long the conflict lasts. Thank you. I propose we move a bit now backwards, um, so sort of 
the past, the present and the future concept here. Uh, so I would like to ask you a bit uh, of reflections on 2021 that uh, maybe um, what are the key things that characterize the past year from your perspective and, and maybe what are the topics and investment trends to look out also for this year deriving from that? So maybe Sila, you could start. Yes, um, what we saw last year is being basically brought over to this year uh, and, and setting the trend for the next year as well. And I'd name actually three themes that could all be present in one product or service or technology, but they, they can be uh, separate themes as well. Mm, one is deep tech. That requires patient capital and often expert investors to understand the technology, to understand the risks and, and the market. Uh, another uh, investment theme is uh, planet positive or green solutions that are coming uh, in the backwind uh, of um, Green Deal uh, and climate neutral economy by 2050. And the last investment theme that I would like to highlight is um, any kind of physical technological solutions. And here I want to avoid the word hardware because it is much more than, than hardware when we talk about materials or biotech or any kind of similar technologies. Um, so yes, any, any kind of physical solutions. Um, because we're in a very good place historically with our software market. We're, we're playing our strengths here. Uh, we are very, very strong in our su software success stories in Estonia. Thanks, Alan. What would you add? Uh, yeah, I think the last year was quite outstanding in terms of uh, uh, the, the whole private equity and, and, uh, and venture capital market. So uh, us personally, we made... Um, six uh, new commitments uh, so uh, two were done in private equity space two were done in venture capital and we also made two co-investments so that was uh, that was something interesting uh, what we in terms of um, returns uh, i think 2021 was outstanding both again on the private equity and venture capital space uh, but that would also add some a couple of cautious notes here as well that uh, what we see is um, in, in the market uh, in general is that valuations have become very high, uh, both again on the private equity side and, and we also see a lot of uh, uh, companies uh, on the venture capital side raising uh, outstanding amounts of, of, of capital. So that makes us a bit cautious. It's again, again of course it depends on, on company by company and case by case, but, but in general it seems that valuations are, are are higher than we would like them to be. And uh, what we also see on the global scale is that, especially on the private equity fund side, is that uh, quite a lot of funds are deploying their capital much faster than expected. So that means uh, uh, if you have, let's say, five years investment period, then they they probably are mostly invested in already three years. And that, that uh, also, uh, has to do with uh, partly, perhaps, uh, sort of 
the fear of missing out uh, in, in some of the deals. So, so that makes us a bit cautious in terms of the market in general. But again, it's, it's really case by case. And I think uh, when we look at um, uh, this year, 2022, so Sila mentioned uh, uh, some of the uh, important topics already, but, but we also see that these, these um, especially the fast capital deployment is, uh, is still continuing in this year as well. So let's see how it goes, but, uh, but yeah. The, the globally, I think the valuation bubble and, and pan-European is something to, to watch out for all of us and interesting to, to maybe, uh, and Silla, maybe would you, would you like to ask, add something as well? Yes, you touched a very uh, sensitive um, uh, topic here, which, which are valuations. And I guess when we talk about trends and, and where the upside is seen or, or the investment potential is, then these, these are the, the, the new themes or hot themes where, where the potential still lies or is, is untapped. So we are uh, all after exploring the unexplored territories. Uh, and it's, it's not that crowded uh, in deep tech or physical technological solutions yet. Sure. So maybe I would move on from here to, to asking you guys, um, what would you see is the most important change or shift that you are seeing as an LP in the, in the industry? And, and maybe, maybe those especially which, which all market participants need to take into account. Um, so yeah, maybe Alan, you could start on that one. Sure. Uh, I think uh, uh, we see two uh, I will give two examples or, or two trends that we see in 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 several funds is that one is is the flexible fee options. So you quite quite several funds are offering either to have uh, to their LPs uh, either to have a larger or or I mean higher or or lower management fee and then again lower or higher hurdle and and uh, the other topic that we see or the trend is, is, of course, the evergreen funds. So those are, are the main large topics that, or, or the trends that we're seeing in the market right okay. now. Okay, how about you, Silla? Yes, evergreen structures, because the um, LP base is changing here in the region. Uh, we just don't have uh, the traditional uh, institutional investors here, but, um, you know, wider selection of LPs with different profile. Uh, and on the um, fee and compensation side, I say what we're starting to see is not just having a simple financial hurdle, but a combination of financial hurdle uh, together with other KPIs that have to be met in order to reach uh, the profit split and, and carried interest. And that probably includes the, even the some some, uh, some metrics that are related to ESG, right? Yes. Yeah. Impact. Actually, we would, any kind of impact ESG related metrics are are coming on the table more and more. I think we're taking the first steps here, but that's what's happening uh, in wider European Union already. I actually suggest we would take a bit more time in the second part of the episode to actually look at impact a bit further. Um, but I would continue with, with some market trends and, and, and um, 
and then move on to that, although it's a, it's a really central part of the market trend at the moment. Um, maybe you could both like name one or a few messages or keywords for the GPs for 2020 or maybe newcomers on the market or, or first-time funds coming um, or, or do's, do's or don'ts for the GPs that, uh, that you as, as um, LPs with extensive experience could recommend. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, as I was a bit ca cautious earlier, uh, then uh, I think that uh, one of our like main um, and most important message for GPs would be that uh, investment investment discipline is is more important than ever for us. So it's 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 very important to rather uh, uh, be disciplined and. Uh, and try to find very high quality companies in this kind of environment rather than just, uh, as I mentioned, uh, to, to pick the companies of fear of missing out, if I may say so. Uh, so. So it's really important to stay disciplined. And as an LP, I would, uh, uh, in this kind of environment, I would be always prefer to rather be under invested with, with high quality companies uh, in the in portfolio than to be over invested in in uh, in in companies that uh, were let's say uh, entered at a very high multiple as an example thanks good point how about you Silla? what i would maybe like to see more or or send a message to the market is uh, having gps that represent a broader um, broader set of competences and a regional coverage, maybe even cross-border teams, because cross-border teams uh, can execute better cross-border uh, strategies uh, and, and uh, cover, um, cover international VC market. So having this uh, uh, wider ballpark uh, or, or um, benchmarking um, against wider region is helpful in, in the longer term. And it's great we're seeing, you know, more and more funds actually doing that, you know, expanding outside just, you know, Estonia, which is which is a great um, development of the market, as well as you mentioned, like the more diversi diversified LP base coming, more funds growing and growing bigger and also that more diversified teams. So I guess the direction is right. Uh, of course, there's still that much to to do, but but uh, but uh, happy to see both of you confirming um, such great place we are with, with the market. Uh, I would suggest we move on with with the fund assessment uh, topic. Um, and and first, I would maybe go into asking you both: uh, Do you invest in first time managers? Yes, first time fund managers and emerging managers who are doing their second or third fund also. Um, are one of our strategic targets as a sovereign investor, as they are the key element to develop local capital market and actually diversify capital supply to Estonian companies. And they, I, I'd consider them a solid foundation for home biased fund managers that withstand economic downturns and crisis here, as we discussed before. Um, having boots on the ground and uh, uh, investing 
in local companies is what really draws out when we have uh, when we have crisis or or um, or any kind of significant setbacks like Ukrainian war. But it is also the role of a sovereign investor to roll roll the sleeves up uh, and and provide any kind of support to emerging fund managers on top of the cornerstone investments which uh, has a, a strong signaling effect to the market and helps to attract private LPs. So yes, we do. Would you say also bef- before we move to Alan, um, do you look uh, differently to first-time managers or the funds raising already being, you know, experts and, and uh, raising their second or third fund? And then maybe does the analyze you're doing differ? Yes, it does. Uh, however, if you look at the uh, the Baltics, uh, then uh, all the fund managers here could be considered emerging fund managers. Maybe not the first time fund managers, but still emerging, uh, not established. Uh, so the process, uh, investment process um, uh, for for local fund managers is quite the same. Thanks. Maybe I would like to ask the same from you then, Alan, that do you look at first-time managers and does the analyst analyst uh, lies differ? Um, so, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I mean, we always try to be as open as possible when when investing with uh, with the GPs and we have also invested with uh, with first-time fund managers as well. But uh, but certainly it's um, the whole process is a bit different and, and uh, for first-time fund manager, it's always a lot harder to to raise the fund that uh, and then pr- pursue the the investment strategy that they would like to because there are so many questions that's why <laughs> so so yeah and uh, um i think uh, what really uh, when we look at the first time managers where, where where we really look at in more detail is uh, we do an extensive team analysis so we try to understand um uh, uh who are the main um, uh, team members there what uh, what their individual track record has been previously as they haven't uh, really invested together uh, before so it's really important to understand also the the strengths of each team member and whether they these these qualities that they have they complement each uh, or one another and uh, and of course uh, if possible we also uh w- w- when when we do the let's say more extensive due diligence then we also try to uh obtain as po- as much as possible information from uh, from past team uh teams with whom they work together and also portfolio companies to understand w- what kind of value add they 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 offer to the companies uh yeah i guess um the another it's in general it's also very important just to understand how motivate what what their motivation are and how motivated they are to pursue their investment strategies but are there any sort of red flags you you guys both would say um you would recommend you know yeah take care of this first <laughs> um or yeah i think uh, again it really i think most of the red flags really come up when you when you analyze the team and and you see something is uh, if i may say so uh, ha- has been shady in the past uh, with with regards to the team member and then 
then it's a or when it has to do with the reputation of, of the team. So I think the most of the red flags uh, start from there. And then also, if I may, if I may add, so so it's also important to understand uh, if if the first time fund manager is pursuing one strategy and they don't really have uh, exact experience in this kind of let's say market or the sectors, then it's also a bit. It's not like a red flag, but it's it's uh, it would probably be much harder to attract uh, LP capital there. Silla, I wanted to add. Yes. Uh, the key element to assess is the team. And there are several um, uh, aspects or items where the red flags can pop up when we discuss or analyze the team. Uh, but what you really need to understand are the people behind the plan that they're proposing and, and uh, their ability to convince you and make believe in their uh, ability to, to exec execute actually what they're selling you. Uh, believe that their vision is based on their historical experience and track record. So yes, uh, the team is at the center of any any fund. And another um, item that we usually scrutinize is the alignment of interest, which can also reveal misalignment uh, in different aspects of the uh, whole fund structure and, and its terms. I would like to ask how much of your assessment is influenced by other LPs who have already invested or are thinking of investing in this GP? Um, I can start, yes. <laughs> okay, sure. The, I'll open this topic because we are usually the first investor in the fund. Uh, so... When we talk about the, the first-time fund managers or emerging venture capital fund managers uh, in the Baltics, then, then we tend to be the first one. So there's no one to follow. Uh, however, uh, should we look at um, other uh, funds, more international funds and seasoned established fund managers, then of course we would look at other LPs in their previous funds because that is sending us the signaling effect. The, signal, the, the very same signaling effect that we try to send to private LPs when we are the first one. Yeah, and I would uh, perhaps add that, that uh, I mean, it's, it's very good to have uh, the other known LPs alongside with, uh, with the GP, investing with the GP, but at the same time, we, I wouldn't say that we, we put too much focus on, on that. So if we really like the strategy and we really like the team behind it so i think that's that's not an issue and uh, on the other side i would also say that at least in our case i think it's uh, uh, when we talk about um, the baltics uh, then then probably it's it's good to have a better overview who's also investing as an lp together with us if we if you look at the foreign funds then then you probably have uh, a lot more different lps there so there's always almost certainly that you'll have at least a couple of known large institutions there. So as uh, I mean, as Silla, Silla said, so she, she's doing uh, a very important job, being the first uh, one of the first ones to yes, exactly to analyze the funds. So, so yeah, I think that's a very big thing to do. Maybe I would also go into fund life cycle question. Uh, do you 
Do you also look at, for example, 20-year funds or evergreen funds at the moment already? Um, or, or, uh, or, or is this not the strategy yet? Because we, we, it came up with the trends um, questions, so it would be good to hear what are your views here. Uh, yeah, from from LHV's per perspective, we're just uh, in terms of the evergreen funds. We've, uh, we've we're looking at the market. We're we're trying to understand it as much as possible and looking at different uh, funds and trends there. But uh, we haven't uh, focused there too much yet. And in terms of the long term funds, um, I think the from our perspective, we also consider infrastructure funds and and even venture capital funds as as sort of longer term than than private equity it's not usually 20 years of course but 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 uh, but yeah it's still it really depends on the risk and the strategy so so we haven't uh, uh, focused on on these uh, evergreen products in in more detail but uh, but we're just looking at, at the market and trends Yes, discussing the uh, fund terms, uh, we have to understand the region. Most of the funds uh, here are very early stage funds, which is one reason that extends the um, uh, fund term beyond 10 years. On average, uh, the fund um, duration in the region is 15 years. And it's because we have very early stage investments and funds here. And also uh, the other reason is cheap tech, which takes time. And here we have to already um, be ready to stay in these investments longer because the technology just takes more time to develop. It's, it's very long development cycle of the product or service. Yeah. That's, that's logical. Um, I would propose we move on, maybe dig deeper a bit, bit into the impact and sustainability aspect as, as, as with, with it's, it's also an important and growing in importance in the, in the fund assessment uh, part, I would say. So um, have you already uh, started or have you already set your sustainability goals and priorities as an LP um, or, or which ESG metrics have you implemented that you would, would be ready to share because we all know that there's a lot of preparatory work going on on the market with, with EU, EU taxonomy and, and so on. So we're all working on that a lot and then we're seeing that a lot so much well be everybody has work in progress but would be great to hear what you already have in place and, and would be ready to share. So maybe Sila, you could start. Yes, at SmartGap, we have ESG framework already in place, but let's face the reality. What's the actual uh, readiness of the market to implement it? Do we understand it the same way? Um, we're taking the first steps, actually. Uh, and, and as a first thing, we have to reach the same understanding of ESG and impact and harmonize the language, terms, um, the terminology metric, used ex yeah, exactly everything. Very differently. We, when we don't have the same understanding um, of the whole concept, then it's very hard to, to discuss it, uh, implement it. Um, 
currently we're doing it. We're doing it step by step. Uh, and as, as much as possible, we, we have an open discussion with our fund managers mm. in the portfolio. But it is a part of, for example, fund assessment process and, and all these, you know, official processes, not just, you know, good to have. It, it's, it's becoming more and more parts of the... We have opened the discussion. We have integrated it to our investment process. But I see a lot more can be done and should be done. Uh, and really, these are the first steps to, to, to have this discussion. To, to actually understand how the uh, fund managers see it, the cheapies. And, uh, and hear what they think of the ESG matters on the company level where they invest in. It's different for venture capital and private equity. When we talk about venture capital, then we're talking about very early stage companies where there may be three founders. They're still trying to figure out their product. Uh, and there is maybe not enough um, administrative power and capacity to, to uh, deal with the ESG matters. So we really have to understand what we can do and how we can do. Uh, to that's have a, a real that's impact. a really good point of collecting feedback, not to just you know assess something or put some metrics on, and then but to really have an impact with that is to you know understand that everybody is really doing it with the with the same goal of 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 or the same direction. So. Um, I hope one day we will, it, it will, ESG will be a hygiene factor, something that we, you know, like washing your hands before eating. It's, it's, it's something that we assess and discuss before making an investment. It's, it comes naturally and it's inevitable. Good point. Alan, what would you say on, on the impact and, and the ESG part? I think uh, what, uh, what Sila mentioned uh, uh, the the aspects are are very on point and very important and and I think also at least nowadays ESG has become a part of ne necessary due diligence uh, that they, I think almost every LP does and and it's also good to see that uh, uh, very many GPs already have ESG policies in place so at least you can discuss and and see. Uh, the effort behind there so uh, just to understand what what the gp is trying to do uh, i agree also on the on the part that there's still uh, a lot to discuss uh, i think gps are trying to understand what lps want from them on the from the esg perspective and then lps try on the other hand also try to figure out what they what they want to look at uh, and uh, I, I just think that if you're uh you, you really have to look at the, the ESG developments what uh, what the trends are and if you are reacting too fast and uh, taking too many metrics for yourself then you're probably also uh, decreasing your investment universe quite a bit so you really have to be um a bit um uh, uh cautious when when choosing those metrics uh it's rather good to to learn as much as possible from the from the trends and then uh, from on the GPs side also as as we earlier mentioned that that uh, some GPs have also included some ESG metrics in their in their um, 
uh, fee structure, which is also a good thing on one side, especially the impact funds. So uh, on one side, it's a good thing, but on the other side, uh, some of those metrics, I think, have been chosen too early and uh, uh, also perhaps not the best ones chosen from uh, from my view. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, going forward, uh, as uh, Sila mentioned, I, I just am pretty sure that uh, SFDR and other um, ESG-related regulations uh, uh, will make sure that in a couple of years we'll have metrics that are going to be mandatory to to look at. And that will definitely change the market if everybody will follow it. Uh, Silla, would you like to add anything here? Yes, I don't want to sound like uh, like we are um, struggling uh, uh, with our first steps. We're actually, I feel we're in a very good place. We uh, and that the market is ready to to take these steps, and uh, what we do uh, is agree on an action plan with the fund managers. So we we sort of see what the reality is right now, and then discuss uh, the potential next steps through with them and and agree on the action plan. Because um, all all the fund managers and the companies are a different place. Um, and uh, and due to the very different understanding of the uh, topic also, we can't give them all the same template or solution. So we agree on a tailor-made or or case-by-case action plan with each fund manager. I think that's a great direction. Yeah, I think also it's it's a very smart, smart thing to do. Yeah. Look, guys, we started off with with the discussion uh, a, b- a bit like like you as as people, and then digging into that, and then we moved on to more uh, talking to you as in- institutions or about you know you and your teams, and then working with funds. So I would like to maybe sum up our talk a bit, going also back to to you as 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 individuals. So if I may, I would I would like to ask you maybe some recommendations on podcasts, books whatever has influenced you as a person or as a professional that you would like the listeners to, you know, um, do, listen, read, that that would help them to to also be more familiar with the industry or be just, you know, more like you guys. <laughs> so maybe, I don't know, Alan, maybe you could start. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I used to read quite a lot of uh, finance-related books uh, earlier, but... But uh, I would perhaps uh, recommend one book from the professional point of view. And this uh, book is uh, written by um, Blackstone CEO and one of the founders, so Steven Sh- uh, Schwartzman. And the book's name is What It Takes. So that's a good uh, a nice book. Uh, it's, it's about uh, the journey of, um, of him and, uh, and Blackstone and also is quite entertaining to read. Uh, the, the other books are not so much finance related. Uh, they are just... Uh, uh, are are one uh, or, or two of my uh, let's say n- not the most favorite ones, but definitely on on that shelf. And uh, so so one one is uh, the Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, which is all time uh, one of the all time favorites. And the other one is is based on on, on psychology, and it's uh, Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Thanks, thanks. Great that you brought in also the personal aspect. How about you, Silla? 
I'll approach it from a different angle and uh, and advise everyone to visit um, the events uh, and use opportunities uh, to meet uh, really the um, the experts in private equity and venture capital market. We have very good uh, regional flagship events here, like Baltic VCA Summit, Latitude 59, Tech Chill in Riga. Uh, so uh, these events actually get global leaders uh, from, from the industry to the stage at home and give a great opportunity to network and meet um, meet uh, these big names in person. I think this is quite valuable and, and very often um, encouraging uh, to discuss in person uh, the hot topics and, and, and the latest trends. And that's something we've been really missing and then that what lies in the you know, in-person networking and connections is, is unaccessible. <laughs> I, I guess uh, you're totally right. Mm, I also have a recommendation. I would uh, recommend everybody to now start listening to our SVCA's LP Talks podcast um, as uh, um, we have such imp inspiring uh, people here, um, starting with you guys and then hopefully uh, in the coming episodes also some, some great people. Uh, so in case uh, you don't have... Uh, anything to add and then if, if so you the floor is yours and um, I would like to really thank you a lot for taking the time for opening up and and for for sharing and helping um, emerging fund managers new fund managers already more developed fund managers you know to grow and develop and then show um, another aspect of Estonia being a, a great country country to work with thank you Thank you, Kadri. It was uh, such a great discussion. Um, I know you're doing a great job at building the, the community and, uh, and private equity and venture capital in Estonia. So I'm happy to contribute. Thank you, Kadri. And I'm honored to be uh, part of the first podcast that we're having. And, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you. Thank you.